Welcome back to the Salon Plus podcast. My name is Josh Watford, and across the table from me is John Nicholson. I'm here. That's right, as always, and uh, it's just the two of us today. Uh, sort of. You may hear uh, some odd background uh, ambient noise. Uh, my dog Marcy comes to the office with me on Friday afternoon, and uh, so she's here, and she's been outside, so she's a little hot. So you may hear a little bit of that going on in the background. At least we'll get another five star review from Diane. <laughs> so that's what we're here for. We're that's just... the pinnacle for us, right yep. there. Five stars from Diane. That's it. Fantastic. All right, John. Well, uh, you were out uh, this past Sunday, yep. and I was able to preach some of Ephesians. Well done, by the way. Well, well done. I, I appreciate that. It was uh, it was impactful for me to dive off into the book of Ephesians, and particularly the passage that I preached um, was just, man, I, I probably could have just stood up and read it, and everybody would have wept, and we could have had an invitation. <laughs> it's probably what we should have done. Hey, I man, probably messed it up with my actual sermon. There but is definite power it's in, so good. in just reading God's Word. But before that, before we dive off into that, you, you broached the subject. Talk about that. Talk about this, this, the discipline, the the process of preparing and preaching a passage. How that changes your your view on Scripture sometimes. Well, what so really what you need to do as a preacher, and if you find a preacher who doesn't do this, just kick him to the wayside. Uh, <laughs> you you allow the text to affect you. Yeah. And so when you're preaching, it's not like I'm talking about you know some sort of physical physics theory that i've just watched on youtube uh for a couple minutes even though i did do that for a speech class one time <laughs> and made pretty good at it there you but, go. uh i certainly don't recommend that to anyone uh but when you come to a passage like this and you oh, well particularly in in chapter two and you were dead mm. in the trespasses <laughs> and sins in which you once walked uh and and it's just talking about, and you all, and you're just remembering the the life that you lived before coming to Christ, whether you were five years old or uh, 50, 50 years, years old. Or like um, Mike Pollock, 70 plus years old. Yeah, yeah you're, you're just remembering. Here was, man, here's what God has done for me. And so what was so beautiful, and there's been some sermons that I've preached that, you know, felt more like I'm talking secondhand yeah. uh, just because of the nature of the stuff that you're talking about and all that um, but this one was deeply personal and I just when you come to this passage it's hard not to preach it <laughs> no doubt I hear you that's, that's great but you know it's just an interesting thing and, and maybe for our listeners who you know don't preach on a regular basis obviously uh, it may be just an interesting insight that you know for us for me as a pastor uh, it is so much more than just parsing uh, a passage of you know breaking it down to component parts and then being able to say here's part one and talk about that it does it, it, it like i think what you were driving at for me I, the way i phrase it, it it has to live in me mm-hmm. and you know you know full disclosure there have been times when the preaching task has been just the preaching task you know let's yeah. get the word and thank god the word of god's powerful it's bigger than high right. that's why we don't rely on us Amen. our skills or anything but the vast majority of the time uh it is you know that the the word is already spoken to me and by digging into it with that intentionality of of looking at it closer of looking at it in uh, some detail and doing some of that parsing of breaking it apart into some component parts and then putting it back together man it just comes alive there's so many things that um you know there's so much on a sunday morning typically when i'm preaching 
that just I just have to leave it out just because there's so much yeah. more that's there that I could take time and talk about, but it's just you know I'd be putting people even more to sleep than I typically do. Uh, <laughs> I had Becca sitting on the front row and she had on her phone a timer. <laughs> that I could see because I knew I would go Sorry, over Vanessa, this. So. No ideas there, okay? <laughs> and Rebecca, you keep your timer to yourself. Yeah. So and, it, and it's not just a timer; it's the scowls so that I get. Like, nope, nope, you better stop. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. But she she seriously did sit there, and I asked her to do that because I didn't have my phone with me. Okay. And and I needed that because I knew that if I just stood up there and started talking about these this passage. passages, that yeah. you know we we would wouldn't have been beat the Methodist to the restaurant before uh, we let out. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, when you ask me for insight into the preaching preparation of this passage, it's just, it's an overflow of worship. It is. It's what it is. It absolutely is. Uh, one of my professors at Sanford, uh, Dr. Edwards, uh, said a sermon is born twice. It's born in you first, and then as you preach it, it's born again. It's born in a second time uh, because it is. It's very much like a birth process, I guess. I've never had a baby, but, you know, it's... <laughs> You've it, seen it happen. It, yeah, times. exactly, a few times. But uh, it, it's, it's just a... You know, it, it's it really is. It's a miraculous sort of thing, and so often I can honestly say, even when I've got you know sermons fairly carefully scripted, yeah, uh, there are times where it's just in the in the preaching process uh, on a Sunday morning um, that it goes in a different direction completely, just because in that moment the Spirit is at work with me and, yep. and that sort of thing. So it, it's it's a it's a remarkable kind of thing. But anyway. Yeah. So we can go ahead and dive in. You wanted to kind of pick back up at verse 15. Yeah, I think, it, and part of that is because of the and in chapter 2. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm beating this drum recently, but one of the things I think that we tend to do um, in this modern age in which we live, and I think a lot of it has to do with social media and those kinds of things, that we atomize scripture. We want the verse of the day. Of course, you know, this was already in existence before. You know, Philippians four thirteen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it was on, you know, whatever, on somebody's tennis shoes and you know, that meant that mm-hmm. they could jump higher and run faster. But no, you know, we, we atomize it and we miss the context. We miss the greater picture that's yep. there. Uh, do I need to hold on to a, a John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth and the life? Absolutely. But when I put it in the context of what's going on, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about Jesus is the way to what? Yeah, I mean, he's he's the way to the Father. That's, That's right. it. Yeah, you know, and it's not that I'm he's going to hand us a roadmap. He is the way. But mm-hmm. this is in this moment of tremendous transition, and the disciples are about to be dispersed. I mean, there's so much. It's a whole other <laughs> sermon and podcast. We're in Ephesians. Yeah, we are in Ephesians. But <laughs> but back to the issue of atomizing scripture. We do we we tend to to blow them apart or grab hold of these little tidbits. And never see the the fuller orb yeah. of it. And man, when you do, when you place this and in context of what he was praying right. before, and it's just it's like another light bulb gets turned on. Like and, and I briefly mentioned it uh, on Sunday morning <clears throat> that I was wrestling with: Do I just preach the last part of chapter one, or do I include chapter two? Yeah. And so when you're a preacher, you have to weigh the pros and cons. Uh, of leaving something in versus taking it out. Right. Uh, because most of the time you're leaving a whole lot of stuff out, uh, even more than what you're actually putting in. Uh, most uh, most preachers would say that their sermon is just the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. of everything else that they've either read or even written. Right. And so on and so forth. And my decision 
my this is getting kind of technical but my decision to preach the ending of one with two with the the beginning of chapter two was just what you're talking about what i felt like we would lose in content by me preaching the whole instead of just that first section i felt was I thought it was better for our congregation at this moment for us to get the full context rather than zeroing in on that one passage. Yeah. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Um, right, so so th- that was that was what was going on in my head. I was weighing those options, and I decided that the full context was better in this particular moment of our congregation than just atomizing it. I hear you. To, to pick up your phrase. So, so to that end, the 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 portion of Ephesians one fifteen through twenty three, what's Paul? What's he praying for for us on that side? Well, it, I, it's kind of hard to narrow it down to one thing uh, because he, he says uh, that remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, having your hearts enlightened. Okay, so those are the two things right there. And then he tells us what he wants us to, what he wants God to enlighten our hearts to, which is that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That's one. Two, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And three, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And then he, from there, he branches off and talks about what is this immeasurable greatness of his power? One, it's the same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him uh, uh, in the heavenly places, so on and so forth. Uh, well, actually, that may be the the only subpoint to that, and then he has a whole bunch of subpoints underneath there, and we're not going to get into all that today. Uh, but I, when when I think about what he's praying for, those the three last things that I talked about was the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Those are the three that I think of when I think of this yeah. section. Yeah. yeah. He is praying a whole lot. And this kind of goes, if you listen to the last podcast, we we were heading down this path. We got sidetracked into talking about prayer uh, in general. But but Paul is praying a, a rich, dense prayer. Yeah. Uh, for these people. And, and if you listen to our last episode about this, you know, I, I do. I really look at this prayer. Of course, Paul's in prison, so he's got some time to think about things uh, on the first part. But additionally, I, I think it's just kind of the, the aggregate. It's a culmination of things that Paul just had carried around in his heart for these people as he's, you know, whatever it is he's doing, tent making and preaching and whatever, whenever the Ephesian people came to mind, these were the kinds of thoughts he wanted them oh boy I hope they remember the hope to which they're called I, I hope they are experiencing the power the immeasurable power of God yeah. in their lives um, you know all of those kinds of things I, I think it's just kind of an aggregate of those that Paul uh, pours out at this point <clears throat> and what's what I love is I don't know if we want to go ahead and jump to jump. What, I, what I preached on but you know it's just in my mind and I went from so here's what I did so I preached that on Sunday and then Tuesday I had nursing home devotions cool and at that moment I was sitting there thinking okay do I preach the same thing that I preached on Sunday morning except in a condensed version and I decided against that and decided just to preach 
the ending of chapter one. Hmm. Uh, so I was able to hone in a little bit more on chapter one than what I was on Sunday morning. Uh, but what just blows me away, and Paul talks about this in Romans 8 as well, he com- he doesn't only compare, I-, I about said compare, he doesn't compare, he equates what he did in Jesus by raising him from the dead is the same power that's at work in us. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't get a different Holy Spirit than what we did. That's right. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's God. All right, he's God. And so uh, that's that'll pump you up. Yes, yes it will. <laughs> yes, it will. But knowing, okay, the same power that's uh, the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, that's the same same power, the immeasurable greatness of his power that is at work in us. And, you know, I, I don't want to uh, sound too like word of faith or anything like this. However, we have to realize we have the power, the immeasurable great power of the Spirit at work in us on a day-to-day basis. And so we walk, but we walk around feeling defeated in sin when Christ has already freed us from that sin and given us the power to overcome that sin. Yeah. And uh, we we walk around in defeat thinking that Satan just has everything under his feet. But right here it says Jesus has all things under his feet. Yeah. He's appointing his head over all things. Right. Uh, and we can talk about what that means for the church in a little bit. Okay. Uh, but Sounds good. Like yeah, because I, I, I want to get to that. Um but I, I just think we, as Christians, just tend to have. I say we as Christians. I'm, I'm generalizing a lot I, because I'm speaking from myself. I hear you. Sometimes I have a defeatist type attitude that, well, the world's all, you know, going to pot and uh, there's nothing we can do about it. And I tend to, when I get into the news cycle a lot, that's the road I tend to right. go down. And I feel like I'm not the only one. No, no, you're not. But <clears throat> we have the immeasurable great power of God living in us dwelling in us working through us and all we have to do is say yes Lord yep that's yeah, right we just have to submit to that I think one of the ways that we experience that in a very real way in our day to day church life is the what we visualize as churches that are out there making an impact versus maybe church that we attend because hmm. the perception is is that the churches, the real churches, are the ones that are running thousands, and they've got the TV ministries, and they've got whatever you know, the smoke and the light show, and whatever you know, they've got all the, all the bells and whistles that look like church. And thank God for many of those churches. There are some that are doing great things, and I, I'm I'm so appreciative. But again, the normative church in the United States, the evangelical church, has 75 folks in attendance at worship on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Those are the churches that are, when you multiply that out by the thousands of churches that are like that, that are meeting, and the incredible impact that they are having because they are being faithful and they are accessing that power that's right. at work in them, in their community, in other places. I'll give you an example. You know, I, I was able to preach this revival at Carrollton. This is a church that is not on anybody's radar. We're not down here in Marion talking about Carrollton Baptist Church and all the great things that are going on. But they've been going to Brazil for over 30 years, building mm-hmm. chapels, uh, and one of the gentlemen has been tracking it. He's been on most of those trips over, la- over the course of his lifetime. Over 7,000 people have come to Christ in Brazil because, as a result of the, the times that they were there. Wow. 
Now, that's not being reported out anywhere. No. But this is just a small group of faithful people. I say a small group, a normative group of faithful people who have just taken hold of, God, you've called us. We're going to go. And so they've gone, and they've seen the result. And I was talking, and the gentleman's name was Buddy Kirk, and was just talking with him and, and began talking with him about the generational impact that that begins to have of children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews across those families that have been reached for the gospel in those situations. I mean, again, those are not things that our world is going to sit up and take, wow, look at this. But the kingdom of heaven, because these people, again, not great resources, not all the, you know, not all the things that you necessarily look at sometimes and see and think, oh, that's, that's a great church. But that is a great church. Yep. And they have accessed this power that is at work in them. Yeah. Part of Paul's prayer isn't that their church would, uh, he's not praising their amount of money that they have. He's not praising the fantastic preaching that they had, even though we have evidence that they had some pretty good preachers right. in, in, in Ephesus. Uh, he's, he's praising and wanting them to, their eyes to be enlightened to the Spirit of God at work in them. Right. And that's that's something that you know I, I think we can discount. And I think that you're exactly right. And I think that's one of the places we need to be reminded. And I think that's why it's so vital that we get together regularly, but also that we get together and tell the stories of what God's doing in our lives yeah. so that we can have eyes that are a little more open and are more sensitive to what God's doing right here around us. So what about this head over all things to the church? You wanted to get there. What's... Uh, What's on your mind there? Oh, I was actually getting to the next part. Okay. The fullness of him. Oh, come on. The church mm. is the fullness of him. And kind of the uh, the parallel passage over in uh, Colossians, Colossians. Uh, says that um, in one nineteen, for in him Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, uh, and so on and so forth. And so when you see like, okay, Christ is the fullness of God, the church is the fullness of Christ. That says a whole lot about us mm-hmm. and how we ought to think of ourselves as a collective uh, and even as individuals. Um, you know, Paul elsewhere says that, uh, well, I say elsewhere, verse 23 at the beginning, which is his body. But he doesn't just stop there because that's a, a, a crucial picture in other parts of the New Testament. Right. Uh, but here it says we're the fullness of him. And I think that that's just a, a another picture or another way of describing uh, our role as the church, showing exactly who Jesus is to a world who desperately needs him. Yeah. Because um, we can say that we're his body, but then you can say, well, sometimes the body doesn't work like it's supposed to, and you can kind of explain away that analogy. But when Paul goes on to say, we're supposed to be the fullness of him. And I... I let me correct something that I literally just said, that we're supposed to be. I think Paul is saying we, we are. We are. We are. And, yes, we still mess up, and, yes, we still uh, sin. And if you find a per- perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and But the I believe the word still stands. We are the fullness of of Christ as the church. And you can say as the church universal, you can break it down however you want to, but I think we can say as Siloam Baptist Church, 
uh, we are the fullness of Christ. Yes. Um, and yeah, I just I love that picture. It is. It is a potent picture. And again, this is one of those places of Paul praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, because most of us don't walk around with the idea that when we get together on Sunday or Wednesday or any other time that two or more of us are gathered as the body of Christ that meets at Siloam, that we are there, the fullness of Christ. I think partly because we sometimes don't take into account that he himself is there amongst us. Yeah. We're just kind of blind to it. You know, we're, I, I compare it to, you know, kids playing around with dynamite. I mean, we, we, we have no idea what we're messing around with yeah. sometimes and what is it, uh, available to us as the body of Christ. All right. So we got that. What's the connection with the and? What's what's the and part of this? So we're we're fullness of Christ, and what? And we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's a pretty bright contrast. This right, thing. and I think that's the point of it. Yeah, we're absolutely. The, we now are the fullness of Jesus, who was the fullness of God, who is raised to the right hand of God in the heavenly places, and He is above every name that is named in this age and the one to come, and all this. But let us not forget where we came from. Yeah. Because there are others who are still there. Let us not forget that we were dead. That Jesus, He is alive. He is risen uh, by the Spirit. uh, And uh, in this majestic place of power. But we were dead. And not just dead, but also actively walking in the passions of our flesh yeah, and uh, also Open deserving of wrath and children of wrath like the rest of mankind carrying out the desires of the body so on and so forth um, and that's just a, a, a massively stark contrast now he's going to get to the goodness and that's the conjunction I like best in this second part is the, right, yeah. is the but God but but there's two conjunctions right there, there right that, that we need to pay attention to yeah. we got to pay attention to both of them because I think it, it well obviously it was purposefully designed that way to have those two there so uh i, I that's why i preached those two together because i wanted to see that contrast here's jesus here's all of his goodness and all of the fullness of him uh and you know we are now as the church the fullness of him but let us not forget where we came from. where we came from and let us not forget what God did to bring us from there. Right, yeah. So you're starting with the end in, in mind, yeah. right? Yeah. So here's Jesus. Here is uh, all the goodness of him. Here's where you were, but here's where you are now. Yeah. Uh, and so he just kind of goes back a little bit. I, it's it's a, I think one of the things I said on Sunday morning was, you know, this isn't very politically correct to say. Like, Paul didn't mince words here. Right. He, he spoke it like it was. Uh, and thankfully, it was that way. Right. <laughs> it, it's it's not anymore for those who are in Christ. We were that way. Um, however, we it, he he makes a point not only here but also I think it's First Corinthians. Uh, Such were some of you. Yes. Right. Uh, that I think that's that phrase in First Corinthians. And here he makes makes sure that we remember that this is the way we were. Um, and we got to remember that in order to understand how good God is. Because if we were walking around saying, well, I'm a lovable person. <laughs> it, well, yeah, it makes sense that God would love me. Right. Because I'm a lovable guy. Right. I haven't, I haven't really done anything wrong. But then when you dive into this where you see in Colossians and Romans and hear that we were enemies mm-hmm. of God. 
walking in darkness. Yeah, we weren't just uh, neutral players in this whole cosmic story. Right. We are actively enemies of... of Paul calls them sons of disobedience here. Yeah. Calls us sons of disobedience, I should say. Yeah. And, And so whenever you see that, then you're like... Oh, God loved somebody who wasn't lovable. Mm-hmm. That there was nothing in me that caused him to love me except for the great love with which he loved me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in himself, he is love. And, right. and from himself, he was able to love me. Not because of me, not because I was so cute and lovable. <laughs> uh, that's definitely but not you the case. That's right. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's certainly not the case, I believe. However, God in of himself was able to love me. Which lays out the, the, the table for that great verse that we want to sometimes, again, to, to pull out of the context here. But when we hear all of this context going on, man, when he says, it is by grace you're saved through faith and mm-hmm. not of works, because our works were darkness. It's not right. what we've done. It's what God has promised to do. That, And then, furthermore, he draws all this full circle with verse 10 there when he says, you know, you're the fullness of Christ back in the end of chapter one. You're his workmanship. Yep. And you've got things that he's already created that you're created to do. Yep. Um, you know, he, you, this is, this is the whole purpose of this. So we do need to read this in its fullness and not break it apart. Yeah. We need to look and drill down, look at these things, but then put it back together so we can see yep. the full picture of it. Because man, it is such a beautiful thing when we do I, I, I agree. Now, since you already jumped to verse 10, All right. uh, I didn't preach verse 10 because Roger did such a fantastic job of that uh, when he preached. And so I just uh, wanted to you know, yeah, yeah. deal with something that we hadn't dealt with before. But since you jumped to verse 10, I, I think it has to do with what we're talking about, obviously, because it's in uh, the same context. I remember there was a time back when I lived in Dothan, we were doing a, a clothing drive for some local housing uh, complexes there in town. And I remember boxing everything up in the church and I'm carrying it out to the trailer for us to take it to this housing complex. And in my mind, I didn't say it out loud, but in my mind, I said the words, God, I hope you see this. And right then, God brought Ephesians 2.10 to mind. Mm-hmm. And it was just, man, it was such a self-righteous moment uh, for me. <laughs> and, but he quickly humbled me. And he reminded me that I already prepared beforehand for you to walk in this. Mm. And so even when we are, because we say that we're not saved by works. And that is correct. Paul makes this abundantly clear here. But then sometimes we say, well, now that I'm saved, I need to continue to save myself by works. That's just not, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Yes, obedience comes with faith. Yes. If you're not obeying Christ, you're not saved. Right. That is the fruit of your salvation. Uh, and that's abundantly abundantly clear in Scripture. However, we don't get God to love us by our works pre-salvation or after salvation. That's right. And Paul... We were loved from the foundation of the world. That's right. That's right. And right here is clear that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, not for us to just come up with them uh, and then God sit back and say, man, that was a great idea. I wish I would have thought about that. No, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One of the analogies I use for this is uh, a sidewalk out on the side uh, of of the street. Uh, You know, you can walk down that sidewalk, but you can't turn to the person next to you and say, what do you think of the sidewalk? And think that they're going to applaud you for the sidewalk. You're, you're just 
walking on the path that's already created for you. Yep. And he's done that, and he's given us his instructions. These things he's prepared beforehand are the things that he's instructed us to do in Scripture. So, uh, yeah, I, we're, we're getting over time, but that's okay. That's all right. I Thanks. just wanted us to, to make clear that, yes, we're saved by works, and we're not continued to be saved. Oh, did I, say, did I say not saved by works? That's what I meant to say. Okay. I can't remember if I we'll said We'll give you a moment saved to, to clarify it in case. <laughs> we are not saved by works, right. and we're not continued to be saved by works. Right. Uh, however, we are in this partnership with God yes. as we walk hand in hand uh, to do good works. This goes back to Paul's, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I want yep. you to understand how this works, why all of this fits together. And just in case you're wondering, Here's your teaser for next week. He's not through because the very next verse is, therefore, yep. because of all of this that we've been trying to unpack a little bit through our preaching on Sundays as well as through this podcast, it continues on. There's more that's involved here. Yeah. And this is really good stuff. And he kind of recaps a lot of he does. what we just talked about. So yeah, absolutely. That's good. And what he is doing in us. And again, I think at the center of this, and this is something that's so vital, that again, we I think we take for granted the the blessing of gathering together as the people of God and and becoming and experiencing again the fullness of Christ at work in us, that mm-hmm. we are the body of Christ. So don't miss a Sunday. Come on, be here, plug into the church and experience and man, have the eyes of your heart open so that you can begin to see again, maybe afresh and anew, what God might be doing in your life, in the lives of others around you, and maybe even on a cosmic scale, because yep. at the end of the story, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's good stuff. All right. That's all I got. What else do you Oh, have? man, we got plenty. We, we scratched the surface here. We could uh, go on and dig on in here. Yeah, we uh, sure could. That verse 4 is beautiful. God being rich in mercy. I mean, he yep. is. We we uh, don't take that uh, uh, fully enough so often. But it's, it's good. A great discussion. I'm grateful for uh, this time to, to unpack this a little further. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Absolutely. And I hope to hear from you guys next time. Thanks a lot.